Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in our Gospel reading for today, we see the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, as someone who's been a Christian for the majority of my life, I read through this passage and I'm like, Yep, Jesus did it. I believe it. That's all I need. And sometimes as I read through it, I don't even think about all the different aspects of how it played out in reality. Like, not only is 5,000 people a lot of people, but that 5,000 is only the men. Plus, there's women and children who would have been there as well. The crowd sat down into groups of 50s and 100s. Jesus gives thanks and poof! The bread and fish feeds everyone. And there's leftovers. So that's like all of you who are here split up into two different groups. And I take this slice of bread that I have here and I say, All right, divide it amongst yourselves. And hope that there's enough to feed everyone and for you to be satisfied. I don't know about you, but sometimes the more I think about things like this, It doesn't make sense. And so if my brain can't understand it, then it must not be true. And I think that is why so much of the world today has such a hard time with Christianity, with believing in God, because it's hard to understand. God spoke words and the world was created. Rain comes down and covers the whole world and only a few people are saved. Moses lifts up his arms and the Red Sea separates so the people of Israel can walk through on dry ground. God came down from heaven and somehow ended up in the womb of a virgin. That same virgin birth Jesus, who is God and man, lived a perfect life, willingly died on the cross for the sins of the world he had created, and rose from the dead to give eternal life to us who believe. And then he went back to heaven. Oh, and he also comes to us with his body and blood in the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. It all makes sense and is easy to understand, right? Now, let's take a step back and talk about what a miracle actually is. The definition of a miracle is this. An effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. There's another definition that follows it and and says, such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God. I would combine those and say a miracle is something that surpasses human powers and understanding that is caused by God. So the feeding of the 5,000 fits the definition of a miracle. So does Jesus turning water into wine, Jesus walking on water, calming the storm, raising Lazarus from the dead. All beyond human powers and all of them works of God, performed by God's Son who is fully man and fully God, Jesus Christ. Let's take an even further step back because as I read about all the miracles in the Bible— I know it's hard for me to understand. 
But what if I would have actually been there to see it? It wouldn't be as hard to believe it. And that's why we often describe faith as believing without seeing. What if I had been a disciple who was helping pass out the bread and my basket just never got empty? Or the meat from the fish just never ran out? Even if I didn't fully understand how it worked, it would be easier to believe it if I had seen it. The disciples not only witnessed miracles, but they were a part of them as well. Sure, they were there at the feeding of the 5,000. Some of them were there when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead, as we heard about a few weeks ago, or when Jesus calmed the storm. They were there with Mary and Martha when Lazarus walked out of the tomb after four days. They saw Jesus heal the Roman soldier's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane, as was talked about one day at VBS. They saw Jesus walking on water, casting out demons, and healing the sick. They saw how Zacchaeus, the tax collector, changed his life after encountering Jesus. So what about the miracles they were a part of? I think about how did those change them as well? Matthew, the former tax collector himself, became one of Jesus' disciples. Thomas isn't with the disciples the first time Jesus rises from the dead, but gets a one-on-one with him after Jesus appears a second time. Peter denied Jesus three times, completely turned his back on Jesus, did what he said he wasn't going to do, and then Christ restores him after the resurrection. And what about someone who wasn't an original disciple, but is no less important, like Paul, someone who was killing Jesus' followers? He runs into Jesus on the way to arrest more Christians, and his life does a complete 180 from killing Jesus' followers to being one himself, and later is himself persecuted and killed for following Christ. If you were to ask the disciples what they would have to say about all these miracles of Jesus now, and if they believed in miracles, they might say something like, have you read the Bible? It's all there. You see, you don't have to be a Christian to believe in miracles. But a Christian understands where the miracles come from. So the question for you isn't whether or not you believe in miracles. The question for you is, does God still work miracles today? I don't think we have to go very far to find someone who has seen or experienced a miracle in their own life. That someone would describe as something that surpasses human powers and understanding that is caused by God. But for those of you who might find it difficult, let me put it this way. Earlier in the service, we had a time of confession and absolution. How is it possible that you, a poor, miserable, helpless sinner, are able to have your sins forgiven? When the only thing that you deserve for your sins is punishment, death, hell, how do you come back from that? How do you save yourself from suffering an eternity in hell? You don't. You can't. It is only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life, and became the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep to defeat sin, death, and the power of the devil. That's a miracle. 
If you were here last Sunday, you remember that we had the baptism of little Sophia. And when one comes to the waters of baptism and are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and their sins are washed away and they are made holy in God's eyes and they become God's child, it's a miracle. When you come to the Lord's Supper and you receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for the strengthening of your faith, and for your salvation, that is a miracle. Speaking of faith, when you believe in God, that is a miracle. Because the only way that you can come to a knowledge of a God who is way beyond our understanding is by him coming to you and working in your life. So I can confidently say to all of you that I am a walking miracle because I certainly know that the sinful self inside of me doesn't want to believe in a God that I have a hard time understanding sometimes. You can say the same yourself, that you are a living, walking miracle. Because you don't have to be a Christian to believe in miracles, we could look at other things that happen in life and see them as miracles as well. So I'll ask it in the form of questions. Do you believe that someone can recover from a heart attack that should have killed them because the blockages were so bad? Do you think a married couple that cannot stand to be in the same room as one another can be reconciled and not get divorced? or even work things out and get back together after being divorced? Do you believe that someone can overcome a drug addiction, an alcohol addiction, a pornography addiction? Can someone who has cancer one day somehow not have cancer the next? Can someone who would say they're homosexual one day overcome that sin and live the rest of their life as a heterosexual? Can God take a hardened heart that is completely set against him and turn it around to one that believes? Can God help you love someone you call unlovable? Can God help you be reconciled to the strained relationships you have with others? Can God help you forgive someone who sinned against you? Can God help you see him at work in your life, no matter the circumstances? We all have examples of big and small miracles in life, and I can name one for each of these examples. Yet for every one that we know, we probably know a hundred where there is no miracle. That's the problem with miracles. Because we don't understand them completely, especially why some are healed and not others. And that's just it. Because God never promised us healing in this life, but he did promise us no more pain or suffering in the life to come for those who believe. And if we were to go back to the disciples, what would they have to say about the greatest miracle of all, Jesus rising from the dead? They would tell you that it's true, not just because they saw it with their very own eyes, but because they were willing to give up their lives for that belief. So many of them died rather than turning away from their faith in Christ. They would also tell you that as much as Christ performed a miracle in their lives, there were more people to be saved, more people to reach with the good news of Christ, more miracles of faith to happen. Because for every Thomas and Peter 
And Paul, there's a Judas, someone who was there, who saw the miracles, but didn't believe. And so the message of the gospel, of Jesus' death and resurrection, isn't just for the Thomases and the Peters and the Pauls. It's for the Judases as well. Because Jesus didn't die for Thomas and Peter and Paul only. He died for Judas too. It's for those who think they're in too deep and there's no way out, no way to recover, no way to come back. That their sins are too great to be forgiven by God. It's also for those who have given up on the faith, on organized religion, or because staying in their life of sin is easier than believing and having to change their life. He died for everyone, for you and me. And hopefully that isn't hard to understand. In the Gospel reading, we heard that when Jesus saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We all probably have people in our life who we know fits that description, like sheep without a shepherd. And maybe it's ourselves. Jesus speaks to them his word, and he speaks to them through you. We also read responsibly together Psalm 23, which says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all may not get incredible miracles in our life. There's no promise that we will be cured of whatever is wrong with us. But with Christ, for those who believe, we are not in want. We have everything. And as we gather together at the table to receive Christ's body and blood, we eat and are satisfied because Christ again gives to us another miracle. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.